I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally. And I'm Josiah Keneally. We are your hosts, and you're listening to the Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching the next generation in Mm -hmm. our world today for Christ. And how are you? I'm doing great. It's Monday here in the studio, and if you don't know and you're just tuning in for the very first time, we kick off a new episode every single Monday. So if you want to rate, review, subscribe, put us in on the headphones as you hit the road or you're going to the gym, whatever you're doing, wherever you're going, we just want you to be encouraged but also equipped to do what God's called you to do in the process. It's amazing, and um, if you're somebody who has both the work-life balance, this episode's gonna be for you, especially if you're a parent, maybe a young parent like us, or you have a family or a spouse at home, or you're dreaming of those things someday, this is really mm-hmm. gonna be a, a episode focused on winning at home. We believe that you're alive to thrive in life, mm-hmm. in work, in ministry, in all areas, and we're joined today by our new friend, Dan Seaborn. Dan, how are you? Good, man. Thanks so much for allowing me to be a part of it. Just listening to your intro here, I'm going, hey, I could have used this 30, 40 years ago. (laughs) So I'm (laughs) in a new stage of parenting, but how awesome that you're creating a platform and a place where parents can come or people can come and just be encouraged. I love it. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think sometimes, man, the deepest ministries um, or opportunities come from, like, I wish I would have had that when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. No, no question about it. And we, we live and we learn, right? I mean, you guys are, you have a two-year-old and one-year-old, so you're in that stage of going, oh my, what do I do now? Yes, <laughs> so it's, they're it's here. Process. <laughs> it's good. For us too, it's, I've been joking about this because it's like, you know, with our daughters, mm-hmm. they were both born when it was still kind of pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so now that we're kind of endemic, mm-hmm. we're, we, we don't know how to parent outside of that. So... <laughs> We parented in home, which felt like for the first year and a half. So here we have the same topic, but on a whole different level and a whole different scale and the ability to influence you as a pre-parent. Maybe you're going to be a parent soon, or maybe you're even a grandparent listening and you have grandchildren and you want to be the best person and version of yourself, not only for the Lord, but for the people around you. So tell us a little bit about Dan. Dan is the founder and president of Winning at Home, which is an organization that supports marriages and families. Yes. And I think of how important marriage is and how important parenting is is it's generational and mm-hmm. we we just love that and he's also an author a speaker and leader with the marriage and family network of AACC um, we're going to tap into things like his humor his illustrations and real life examples to really again like we said up, up top like focus on winning at home and his newest book is launching this month in september 13th yeah. it's winning at home available nationwide but dan we're just going to kick it to you and as we're getting to know each other and our audience too we'd we'd love for the listener to just be able to hear some of your journey of life and leadership and maybe your story even a family Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, let me just come in humility because you're looking at a dude that has been through it. Um, I grew up in the Carolinas. I grew up in a pretty tough home, a great mom, but a really difficult relationship with my dad. Um, He he was all about being a leader at the church, song leader, treasurer of the church, et cetera. But he had two different lives. And so at home, I really grappled with that growing up as a kid going, 
there's something really weird here that's just not fitting. It's not cohesive. So, you know, for me growing up, uh, I had a dream that I would uh, be able to get out of that. My mom, like I said, tremendous mom. But when the Lord called me to lead this ministry called Winning at Home, I was like, dude, me? No, no, no. I've never seen what a winning home looks like. I, I don't even know what that means. My father was very abusive to my mom. So I just, I was like, no, I, I don't know that I'm the person to do that. But God in his wisdom, and he always chooses the one that doesn't seem to fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he chose me. And, you know, I, I remember even when I told my mom, I have one brother, he's six years older, preacher, travel around the country, just a great impact for people. And I remember telling her, mom, I feel like God's calling me to be a pastor. And even she said, no, 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 you, you're too crazy. <laughs> I was like, well, mom, thanks. You know, <laughs> but I've just, just plugged along been faithful to seek the Lord. And we'll talk about this today. Uh, I'm just trying to be faithful to lead people toward the Lord, lead my family toward the Lord. I've been broken through some very difficult things with my kids, uh, but by God's grace, they're doing well today. And I give him all the praise and glory for that. But Winning at Home is an organization that I started about 30 years ago now. And what we are is I travel and speak all around the country, but we have about 30 professional counselors and coaches who provide um, kind of the backdrop for if I speak and you're motivated or encouraged or God's speaking to your heart, then I just connect you with one of our counselors, one of our coaches, and they help you take those uh, practical next steps. You guys would know that so often you hear a good sermon or you hear a good podcast and you'd love to take some next steps, but you don't know how. Mm -hmm. And we try to facilitate that here at Winning at Home by giving people some practical guidance on how to take those next steps. So, you know, I'm as surprised as anybody that I'm in these interviews that I write a book. Are you kidding me? Uh, you know, if you'd ever told me I'd write a book, I would have said no way because I just didn't see that in my future. I didn't see it in my life. And so today I'm hoping somebody watching right now who maybe feels like, well, I don't really fit or I'm not sure this is the right spot for me. God's going to do what God's going to do. Right. You just need to seek to be obedient. And I've just tried tried to obey him my whole life. And here I sit at the age of 61. Say, I look at myself and I think I'm your age. I still <laughs> think I can beat you at basketball. But in reality, yeah, let's go. I'll do it. But in reality, uh, these years have taught me a lot. And sitting where you're at, if you had told me uh, the journey I would take from where you guys are with kids at one and two, I would have had kids 10 down to one because mine were 10 years apart with four children. If you had told me at 30 what I would have gone through sitting here at 61, I would have said to you, I won't survive that. Um, I won't make it. I don't think I can do it. So today, as we break down what that means, um, I just want anyone listening today who maybe is a tough spot to go, oh, there's hope. Oh, yeah. There's hope and it's not in me. It's in what God has done in me, how he he humbled me. I was humiliated, but he had to teach me the difference between humility and humiliation. I was worried about more humiliation. And God has truly made me a humble man where uh, I'm honored today just to get to talk to you. And let's just see where the Lord takes this conversation. That's a good word. I love it. Dan, thank you so much for going there. And even just recognizing that some of our listeners, they're between the ages of 18 and 30. Some of them are leading people who are in the ages of 18 to 30. Some of them are married. Some of them desire to be married yesterday out of all the times. They wish they would have been married yesterday. Sure. Uh, But just even beginning with the end in mind, even that concept of like, 
how do I begin with the end in mind when it comes to maybe family and home with our children? Like the bless and release concept of how to launch your child into adulthood. Because the people listening to podcasts, they're dealing with 18 to 30 year olds, um, whether they have helicopter parents, lawnmower parents, or no parents. Maybe it's a hybrid of all of those things, which all can be dangerous to us um, as individuals, but we can use that. Like you said, like if you would have told me, no way, I would have said no way. We disqualify ourselves, right? We did. So for the people who are maybe in a difficult spot or in the healthiest version of themselves currently, and they're trying to navigate whether they're a parent listening or they're a pastor listening, and they know that they have a short window, whether it's 18 years or 18 months with a college student on a college campus or in their church, how do we truly bless and release and launch children into that adulthood stage healthfully and you know they got to get kicked out of the nest right i think we're oh, for sure. the children in the nest a little too long for sure, for <laughs> sure. well that's a great question though micah and my response is more one of understanding that even as a parent whichever part of this you're on you have to get the purpose figured out and so often parents want to define their children's purpose and that's just so wrong from the very start of that thought and my father did that with me it was well, this is what you should do in life. And, and, you know, of course I was rebelling against that going, whatever you say, I'm doubling down the other exact opposite way. Mm-hmm. But in time, as I felt called to go into ministry, I remember, you know, being the Carolinas, well, I'm in Michigan. Now you guys are in Minnesota. I'm in Michigan. And this is where the Lord started the ministry 30 years ago that he gave me. And I remember my dad saying, you can't go there. Don't do that, et cetera. I'm like, dad, why not? Well, you can't leave the family. You, you got to honor your father and mother. And I remember saying to him, Dad, the best way I can honor you is to go fulfill my purpose in life. Mm -hmm. Then my meaning for life and my purpose in life is fulfilled. And then I have two children, two boys who are in ministry. I have four kids, but two of my boys are in ministry. One moved to South Africa. The other moved to the center of Camden, New Jersey, which is considered one of the most dangerous cities in America and started planning a church there. And I remember standing with him in Camden, New Jersey, and looking around, he's married, he's going to have children. This is the city he's going to grow up in. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, him, him looking at me saying, Dad, what do you think? And I looked right at him and I said, Josh, are you called here? And he looked right in my eyes. He said, I am. And I said, dude, this is the place you have to be. I don't mm-hmm. care what I'm looking around and what I see. I bless you to be here. I'm so proud of you. If you lose your life here, and I pray that'll never happen, but if you lose your life here, Dude, you're losing your life in the place God called you. And I think as parents, it's our responsibility to celebrate our children being in a good spot. Now, I know somebody listens going, yeah, but my kid's not serving Jesus. Right, right. So I had that daughter too. And by God's grace, um, I'll give the end of the story to make sure everybody knows things are okay. But when my Anna went wayward, my youngest, she started going wayward at about the age of 15, uh, got into drugs. And I had to release her a different way. I, I want to tell you both, Josiah and Micah, that the release of my daughter, Anna, was the most painful release I've ever experienced in my life. She gets involved with a guy in drugs. She moves to 12 hours away from me. She is being, um, it's even hard to say this, she is being beat. She is being, she's sending pictures to us of just her body being tormented and literally beaten. And I, I mean, it's hard for me to talk about it because 
as a father and take your little girl and right. just think that she's going to grow up and have this happen. You're like, no way. I serve Jesus. I'm preaching around the country. God won't let this happen to my kid. And I'm in the middle of hell on earth as a dad. And I remember the Lord literally saying to me at 2.31 morning, release her to me. And I'm like, no, I'll, I'll release Josh because he's out there serving you. No, release Anna to me. Well, Lord, what does that mean? It means if she dies in one of these moments she's in, in a drug stupor, in an alcohol stupor, if she dies, release her to me. You cannot carry the weight of her for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. She's now, she's 20. So she went, you know, she's 25 now, but at the time if this happened, it's like, Dan, she's 20. She's, she is responsible for her own decisions, but Lord, I can't release her. She might die. And I remember the Lord saying to me very clearly in my spirit, obviously there was no turtle doves hitting the wall, but in my spirit, I just remember him saying, she's my girl first and mm. you've got to give her to me now because I wasn't going to make it. I mean, there's no way I'd be doing this podcast right now if I would have held on to her myself because I had to give her fully to the Lord and trust him with her even when I had zero control. I was talking to one of my friends the other day. I was down to my last prayer. The prayer was, Lord, keep her alive. You know, people say, I'm praying my kids get involved in church. And I, I, I wasn't even thinking about church. Mm -hmm. Lord, keep her alive. It was the very, it's the very last prayer a parent can pray. And I was at that point, it was rock bottom. And in releasing her to the Lord, like I said, 2.31 morning, I did it, started laughing. I mean, somebody watching right now goes, what a terrible father. I, no, I'm just telling you, when the Bible says he can give you a peace and a joy that you can't understand, I started laughing. I'm like, Lord, why am I laughing? Because you released it. You're mm -hmm. not, you have got to be there for it. You keep the helping hand. You be available, but don't carry her burden. Her life is her burden to carry. And so many parents watching right now, and there's a, you know, you're, you're a young adult right now. Your parents have not released you yet. There's a double burden there. You, you're trying to break away. You don't know how to mm -hmm. break away. And I just want to say to parents who are listening to me, the greatest, one of the greatest gifts you will ever give your children is the gift of release. Either way, either way. Because I thought my Anna came back. Now, she got pregnant, has a little boy now. He's three and a half. He is the joy of this papa's life he's just an awesome little boy and god used that you know she's a single mom and her life isn't perfect it isn't easy but she said to me we went to dinner the other night she's like dad uh, dad god had a plan god had a plan way bigger than i could see i said oh baby i know it we it, we, we have we're so close it's so wonderful and i said to her why'd you come back? Like, like, what was the reason you actually ended up coming back? You know what she said to me? This is crazy. You would ask that question. Cause this is what she said to me. Well, you finally released me and I could make my own decision. And then I wanted to come home. I was like, wow. well, I should have done this 25 million years ago, you know? <laughs> so we learned the hard way and you're looking at a man who learned the hard way, but it's in releasing our children, whatever their situation is, once they've reached that place of adulthood, Try to allow them to become adults on their own. Get your hands off them. It's the best place for them to learn and to grow. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. And I think you brought up something, Dan, that spoke to me, and it's this idea of blessing. 
the fact that as parents we can speak a blessing over our children like while yeah. there's that while we're still living we have the opportunity mm-hmm. to bless them release them as well in the yeah. right time as they go into it sure. but but I think just that idea of parental blessing, having ministered mm-hmm. to a lot of young adults, mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that a lot of people are longing oh, for, sure. for and they haven't experienced yet. And so right. if you're longing for that, I would just say that I, I believe that if your parents are living, that you can still receive their blessing. Sure. But also, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, just thinking through what you want your children to experience, to experience the blessing of their parent, their mom and dad is really incredible and um i think why this all matters your whole deal with winning at home my friend trey peterson just this weekend he was talking with us and he said this he said that there's a rubber ball and a glass ball and if you can picture your career your work church ministry any of it Mm -hmm. it's it's all a rubber ball meaning if you drop it you can pick it back up and maybe you're done at this job but you can go get another job or whatever like if you drop a ball we're all going to drop a ball but he just talked about the glass ball being marriage parenting family being the glass ball like Mm -hmm. if we why we prioritize this why we want to win at home and why we want the listener to really Mm -hmm. focus on asking god what does it mean to win at home is we get one family we get one spouse, we get kids, you know, and, and we have this glass ball that we, you know, we're imperfect people, but that's the totally. one that matters most. And um, I'd just be curious mm-hmm. to ask you along the lines of, you know, parenting, how have you found Dan to be a parent first and a friend second? Because we all, Ooh. if if you're Good like question. me and I know I am, I want to be liked and I want, you know, you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. but, but being a parent is different than being a friend. Yeah. I'd love to speak to a couple of things you mentioned there. The first one being the, the prioritizing of the family and that sort of thing. So, um, fast forward, you know, me being a little boy, fast forward that 35 years there, I sat with a family and I remember as a kid, um, like my father, when I would be around him, I would be anxious I deal with anxiety when he when he came home from work i would be like i call it the garage door test when the garage door started going up just my heart started pounding like mm-hmm. who's going to come in the house today is it going to be good or bad and and i would say to everybody listening today ask yourself that like when the garage door starts going up and everybody's in the house or your spouse is in the house and they hear the garage door and they know it's you is their first thought hey they're home or is it shoot they made it you know i don't know but it's somewhere in between and i started giving myself the the test of going, oh my word, because I had four young kids and I would go home and I would have some of the same frustrations on me that my dad seemed to must have carried back in the day because I'd go home edgy. Uh, I, I started, I remember one day I arrived at home and my kids were outside, they were in the driveway, you know, they were young enough that they had tricycles and everything else everywhere. And and I remember I, I rolled my window down, I was yelling, move those trikes, I can't get in the driveway, et cetera. And I thought, Oh my word, I'm my dad. This is what I'm bringing home, this very thing that I tried to break, mm. you know, for my children. Yeah. And I did something, and I want to at least share this before I answer the other question. So behind me there, might not can see it, uh, right above my little, is right there above my thumb. I, I put a little post it note, and it just says this pray before you go. So for 30 years, guys, 30 years, uh, when I leave the office today, kneel and turn my light off, um, I will pray and I'll pray that I leave work stuff here 
and I go home. So I started doing that when I, I didn't tell my family I was doing this. Uh, I didn't tell my wife, Jane, I didn't tell her I was doing it. So I started just right there. I would kneel and I would go home. And about the third day in, I, I was coming home with a, Hey, everybody. Hey, dad loves you guys. Can't wait to spend the night with you. I'm looking forward to hanging out. So by the third day in, my wife actually met me at the threshold of the door and she goes, what's going on with you? I'm like, what do you mean? She said, are you having an affair? You're happy all the time. I'm like, no, I'm not doing anything. She's, and then I told her, I said, well, babe, the other day when I came home, I saw the kids faces when I started yelling and I said, I saw how anxious they were. And that was me as a kid. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pass this on. Ministry is not going to destroy my family. I will not bring the crap that I dealt with this day in ministry serving Jesus. I'm not bringing that crap home. And she literally said to me, literally, she held me and she said, "Don't ever stop doing that." And I haven't for 30 years. I'll I'll do it today. When I stop, I kneel and I pray. God help me go home. Take a joyful me into the house, leave the stuff of ministry here behind. And that so often for most of us, period, we take our stuff home, we carry it through that door and we bring in a, um, a tired, a weary, a worn out, a discouraged, a depressed, an anxious person. And we've got to stop and realize, oh my, oh my, this place around here is the rubber ball illustration. It's going to be here. Ministry is going to be around me. I have a, that family I got at home. Mm-hmm. I got one shot at it and I want to make sure they get the best me. I get, right. I'm not giving them my leftovers. Yep. So I think some strategic little things like that little post-it note, do something intentionally to mm-hmm. make a mark in your day when you're going to be with your family okay. to draw a line. So that's just a thought that comes to my mind. I'll let you say something before I go on. You can go on, I, I unless you have some. I love that you shared that. No, I think it's so good. I think even if you're in the marketplace and you're listening and you're volunteer, no, at whatever no. level you are, I mean, to leave work at the door and leave it there and walk through the next door. It's not that you're two different people, but it's like you said. Like I don't want to give my family the sloppy seconds or the leftovers or the yeah. the worst version of myself just because I've given everything to somebody else or throughout the day. So how do we? I think it's why we need to pray in constant, you know, with the spirit totally. throughout the day, not just one prayer here and one prayer there. To be like, okay, Lord, I need your supernatural strength and ability to focus, to leave work at the door, to be present with my mm. kids, yeah. not to be short fused. Um, even though I might have had a horrible day at work or things kind of you know, flying all over the place out of our control, you know? So I think it just brings our heart and realigns, you know, with Christ at the end of the day, the beginning of the day, throughout the day, but to know like, who's going to be walking through that door? Because I think Josiah, my, one of our values is we want to be the same person, whether we're in this house, yeah. getting gas at Sam's That's club, good. when other people have sign language at you, when you're getting groceries, when you're at a t-ball game, when you're on the court playing, you know, intramural, whatever. And it's like, no, I want to be the same person in every single situation that I am. And I want to be a follower of Christ and I want to be joy filled, even when the situations and circumstances around me may not make sense and align with joy, but I'm going to choose joy over whatever else could pull me down. So I'm glad that you went there with the family dynamics because I think ministry can wear and tear on any soul, um, but also on a marriage and on. And and don't be afraid to be honest and vulnerable. I mean, you know, go in the house and say to your family, hey guys, today I might, 
I might have a little edge on me. Uh, I've had a hard day. And if y'all notice that, I mean, just pray for me. Pray that I'll be able to continue mm-hmm. to release it and move on. But I, if I have a little attitude today, it's probably come from something I dealt with at work. So I'm going to ask, a, I call it a little pre-forgiveness card, <laughs> pull that out and hand it to him. Say, I'm, I'm going to need you to use this today because we are going to have ups and downs. That's called humanity. Right. And so in the, in the process of just being open and vulnerable, like I, you know, I, I spoke this week to about a hundred, um, it's Resurrection Life Church. It's a link network, um, um, very charismatic pastor group. And I said to them, you guys are the most spirit led group that I hang out with, but you're the least vulnerable. And I said, you know, sometimes when we're led by the spirit, we can almost be like, well, everything's good. And there are days it life's hard. And even Jesus experienced that. So we need to acknowledge sometimes when I'm going through one of those patches, it's okay for me to tell you, I'm not doing the best today, but it's going to be okay. My mental health is strong and I'm, I'm continuing to seek the Lord with it. So just an idea and a thought of not being ashamed or afraid to say you're struggling. There's nothing wrong with that. It's so good. Yeah. Seriously. And I would, I would just say like, I think I've fallen into that trap at times where maybe I was not sure how to open up or afraid that if I did, people wouldn't like me or respect me. But I found that as I'm willing to open up, it's amazing with vulnerability or honesty, how people actually relate more because mm-hmm. they're like, dude, totally. me too. Or I, I can relate with that. And right. um, I'd just be curious. You were talking. Well, when I, when I, let me just respond to that. Myself. When I started winning at home, I was kind of your guys' age. And I remember when the Lord laid on my heart to start the ministry, I was like, I tell you what, let me get my kids raised and get them out of the house and them be doing well. Then I'll talk about winning at home. And I remember very clearly the Lord laying on my spirit. No, I want you to share your ups and your downs. And when you go through pain, I want you to be vulnerable and share it. So, so like right now, I just shared that story about my daughter. Well, there's probably one or two persons in the world that would look and go, oh, what'd you do wrong as a parent? You probably failed. For sure, I did. But most people, at least when I speak and I share that story, most people come up and give me a hug because I relate, they understand, they connect with it because it's part of what they faced as well. Wow. Well, so many times I think the enemy, what he does and tries to do is make us think that we are the only one wrestling, totally. struggling, you know, trying to cope in certain ways, whatever that is and looks like, which then can be an onset of depression or anxiety, loneliness. And even just seeing that, how that is continuing to build when it comes to whatever social media insecurities as leaders and leading people around us when people look to us, right? Like you're the leader, you should be X, Y, and Z. You're like, right. I am just as insecure as you are, just maybe in a different way, right? Um, which can be an onset of depression and anxiety. And I would just love for you to talk and lean into like three packed, practical coping skills to practice and pass on to your children when it comes to the dichotomy of those two things. Like, what do you have to say about that, Pastor Dan? Well, first of all, depression and anxiety are two different things. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you some thoughts. I'll, you know, with the depression thing, I'll start there. And talk about it because I certainly went through that in my five, six, seven years of going through this battle with Anna. There came a point uh, where Anna, my daughter, there came a point where, honestly, I was doing good to put one foot in front of the other. I mean, I'm still right. speaking. You know, I, I travel and speak across the country. I'm at a church. And literally, I was at a place where I don't even know how I got through it other than by God's grace and God's goodness. And what happens during depression is. Uh, we start seeing life through a false lens. We start believing things that aren't true. Uh, Maybe someone listening right now can really connect with this thought because even as you view yourself, 
you see yourself and it says distorted. There, there's something there that you aren't seeing correct about yourself and it drives you even deeper. And so I would really encourage you. This, that's the blessing of being here at Winning at Home. I would really encourage you to see a counselor or a coach who could give you some good strategies on getting your thinking clear. You know, one of the things that the word of God says that he gives us a sound mind. That means we're able to think clearly. Mm -hmm. And when Jesus went by himself to pray, I'm convinced there were just times he was just worn out. And he said to himself, I got to get over here and spend some time with God, the father, because my brain is worn out. Mm -hmm. And I think depression quite often happens because we continue functioning in this hole in this cycle. And we're seeing a distorted picture, even of ourselves. And that goes and winds further and further down. So correct the negative thinking. It's good. Like someone today, you need to stop seeing yourself either from something that parents said about you, something a neighbor, friend, coworker, some, someone said something that got in your mind. And now you think you're that person and it's distorted. It's just not a true, it's not a true view of who you are. So depression quite often comes from that type of thinking. And then when you get to that place where you don't want to do anything, you're laying in bed. Um, even maybe right now watching this podcast, you clicked on it, but you haven't stood up and done anything for a couple of days. I can tell you the second step is, first of all, correct your, get that thinking, quit seeing the distorted view. Number two, when I was at that place, and I share this just as a personal testimony, um, my counselor, Dr. Peter, I was talking with him and I said to him, dude, I don't want to do anything. He goes, Dan, Dan, I get that. I said, no, you don't. I don't want to do anything. One of the signs of depression is you just want to lay in bed. You just want to sit. You don't want to do anything. And he said to me, here's what I want you to do. What's something you enjoy? And, and I named it. And he goes, I want you to do it for two minutes. I said, Peter, I don't feel like it. He said, go do it for two minutes. What he knew was two minutes would probably turn to four minutes. We'd probably turn to eight minutes because he was just trying to get me up and get me focused on something other than myself, my doldrums, my discouragement. And that was really big starting point for me. I began to do one of them is basketball. I mean, I, I still, uh, yes, I still will beat you, Josiah. But yes, I mean, I love to play. And so even going that for two minutes, of course, I'm not going to stop at two minutes. I kept shooting. And it's like, oh, this is good. And of course, that got my body moving, et cetera. And then you nailed it earlier, Michael, when you said just focus on praying and praying that the Lord would help you see the truth mm -hmm. and expose you to what the truth is. Because when you're in depression, you're not in a truth zone. You're in a lie zone. Something there is just mm -hmm. disconnected. And, you know, again, a professional counselor, if you need that sort of thing, can be very, be very helpful. But uh, take some steps. And there's three practical, very simple steps, I'm telling you, is just identified as a false view. Secondly, do something active. And third, make sure you are moving forward in prayer and talking to the Lord about it. So those are some simple first steps you can take. Good. Oh, my gosh. It's incredible. And you know, I think that we just talked about mental health and maybe what to do if, if you or your family or a loved one is struggling with anxiety and depression that can really be debilitating to a lot of us. And um, I think one of the other landmark theological questions or issues, at least of today's generation, Dan, is sexuality, gender identity. Mm -hmm. And so many people are hurting Maybe they've been hated on. Maybe they've had hurt or trauma in their past. And um, I'd just be curious your insight for a parent who never thought they'd have to have some of these conversations with one of their children, but that's what 
life is asking of them and uh, maybe what could they say and maybe what should they not say mm-hmm. to a child who's struggling with sexuality or gender identity? Well, first of all, let me just say, and I'm not a big self-promoter. You're going to ask me about it. It's just not how God made me. I, I try not to live that way at all. My mom always taught me, don't talk about yourself. But I will say the book coming out on September 13th, there are some, there's a chapter and they're dedicated to that. I'm going to speak to it here, but I just want you to know as parents, that's one of the reasons when Salem approached us about writing this book, one of the things I was excited about was giving them some good biblical guidance on how to handle this conversation. So I want to give you a couple of ideas of what we're doing here at our offices. Our phone is ringing off the hook with you know young adult, um, teens and children really struggling with this idea of self-identity. So one of the greatest pieces of advice, I ask uh, our, our top teen counselor here, works only with teens and young adults. I said to her, Sarah, I said, Sarah, give me one tip that if you could go speak to parents right now, you would say to them in this area. And she said, well, Dan, here's the first thing I want to say. She said, when your child comes to you and shares something with you in this area, uh, maybe you've wondered, maybe they're going to tell you, you've been a, maybe thinking there's something here, but they come and they start actually talking to you about it. She said, first of all, tell those parents their facial expression can't change. Stay, stay really calm. <laughs> stay very collected inside. Every capillary in your body might be bursting, but you're just the fact that your child, teen, young adult is coming to share this with you. What a statement of how much they love you and trust you. Because they said so many of them will go to somebody else. If they're coming to you, parents need to first of all go, wow, I must be a great parent that my child would want to come and talk to me about this. So first of all, parent who's been in that spot uh, received that encouragement today. And then secondly, she said, make sure you, the first statement back to them is something like this. Well, I appreciate so much that you have come to share this with me and I'm going to walk down this road with you, whatever it looks like, we're going to seek God's guidance. We're going to, we're going to take these steps together, but I want you to know, no matter whatever happens, I will always love you. She said, it's crazy what that right there will do for somebody who is in that spot. Hearing that that's like, that's like a statement God makes to us. Right. I mean, every day he's like, Dan, no matter how screwed up you are today, I love you. And it's mm-hmm. in finding that right there, my identity first in him. You know, you guys look at me and I realize you look and you see an older man. Got it. But it's been in the last five, 10 years that the Lord has solidified this in me. Like God's love isn't based on how good this podcast goes or right. how good I do when I go home today. He just loves me. Done. Yeah. And I want you as a parent to understand when you give that to your young adult, your teen, your kid, when you give that type of love and, and to give it, you got to understand you got it. It's good. Like you have to understand this thought. This is probably, honestly, I'm, I'm a spirit led guy too. This might be the whole reason we did this podcast because somebody that needs to see you're good because you're God's kid. And because of that, you can pass that love and that commitment. That doesn't mean you agree. That doesn't mean I don't always agree with everything my children say or do, but man, my kids know dad loves me and he will never take that love away. And that's what God, the father does. And I think in this gender issue right now with all the sexuality issues, 
so many kids are struggling in this area and they're just looking for somebody to have a conversation with. And if they choose to do that with you as a parent, what an incredible blessing from God. And then then the, the other key counselor that helps in this area says, and when they tell you something, like they say something gender, sexual, whatever, you when they say a certain word, you automatically assume you know what that means and you go down this road and it freaks you out. Just because they say a word, doesn't have the same definition or meaning you might have in your head. Just hear them out. Talk to them. Probably a lot of this is they're really disoriented and they're scared too, and they don't know what to say. So Mm -hmm. give them a place where they can have a conversation. And that's what we're working on hard really right here. And I can just tell you, we have parents calling our office right now because we have sessions where parents can sit in and receive this kind of guidance. But I just want to encourage you parents who are in that spot today to know that if your child is coming to you, first of all, you need to see that as a blessing from God. That's so good. Thanks for going there, Dan. And we know that sometimes as parents, whether you're a believer or non-believer listening to this podcast, technology has a great influence, whether that's something that they're listening to, something that they're viewing, having access to anything and all things, essentially, when it comes to technology. And some people would say technology is the worst thing possible. And other people are saying, this is the best thing ever man-made. But and they how- might not be mutually exclusive. <laughs> yes. Both. Well, the funny part, usually the people right. say technology is the worst thing ever is they hold their phone in their hand. <laughs> right, so right, 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 right. It's my brain I'm holding on to. If I lose it, we're yes, all in trouble. Yes. Um, so I'd just be curious, like how, do, how to see technology as a positive in parenting rather than a negative. And, and how do you have, how have you spoken into that when it comes to talking to some of these parents um, whatever avenue you want to go down there. Yeah, that's good. For, first of all, it's kind of humorous because um, hey, as parents, here's the phrase we like. Well, I remember when we didn't have that. And it's like, you need to know just saying that right there, you, your teen or young adult is going, really? Yeah, so it is here and it is here to stay. So I'm one who says, so how do we embrace it biblically and, and beautifully and pull it into the realm it needs to be. And, you know, my son actually speaks on this topic quite a bit. And one of the things he opens with is this thought of, to give it a little um, statement to, to parents, maybe who are listening, who don't connect with some of it or understand it. He said, you know, like, take me when I was, when I left school at three 30, when I was a kid growing up, I left school at three 30, even as a high school, whatever I, I, I could, those people, if I didn't want to be around anymore the rest of the day, I could choose to not be around friends or non-friends, whatever. I could just be away from it. Mm-hmm. Said, there, there is no 3.30 anymore. Uh, you know, when you go home, you actually might be more involved because you're liking and you're social media and you're checking each other out. And look, those eight people are over there and, and I didn't get invited. He said, so that feeling you used to have at school where you felt a little left out or you felt a little disconnected or you felt like you weren't in touch. Um, that can actually be, it can actually grow and be bigger mm-hmm. than it, than it was even for the previous generation. And I think it's important as parents for you to understand, wow, I don't stop and think about that from their perspective. Right. So as a parent, how can I tap into it? Like for me, for example, I'll just grab my phone every now and then and with my kids, my grandkids don't have phones yet, but with, with, with my children, I just sent a text. Hey, I don't know if you guys knew it, but your dad was thinking of you today and I love you. Every parent can do that. Every parent. And that that might be something that your kid never says anything about or doesn't bring up to you, et cetera. But use that device in a way to pass on some of those messages. Send a scripture verse once a week. Do something that you just kind of highlight something into their life. Trust me. Those are the things. In fact, in fact, this just comes to my mind. So my daughter who came back, right? 
she told me as we were sitting at dinner the other night, we went to a little outdoors restaurant. We were sitting there talking and she started crying. I said, Anna, what's going on? This has been, this has been five years, guys, since she was in that spot. She said, dad, I was looking through my phone the other day hmm. and I was looking at all the messages. She said, you know, I use that phone for a lot of crap, a lot of crap. And she said, but I, you, you would send me these little messages of love. And she said, I read one of your messages. I don't even know how you could love me when I was going through that time, but you sent me such a message of love and hope. And so today, if your kid's in a bad space, even on their phone, even doing things that you go, I don't approve of that. And they're 30. Okay. Send them a text that tells them you'll love them and you're praying for them and you're going to be there for them. That might be the thing when they get 50 that they refer to and go, that got me through that day that called wow. me back to a relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And those are little bitty, simple things. Again, in the book, we'll have some breakdowns of lots of things you can do, but use technology as a plus. Don't be, I, I love the other day, a guy, a guy was, uh, my phone's right over there. I can't quite reach it, but he had his phone in his hand and he, and he looked at me and said, this thing is Satan. And I said, and you're holding Satan in your hand. I mean, it's like, what the world? So I think as parents, we need to embrace it and say, this thing is an opportunity mm -hmm. to keep me more connected to my family. What a blessing. Yeah. You know, I think we all have the, the opportunity. What I'm hearing you say is we all have the opportunity to really reclaim and redeem technology to be used to for sure. be a tool that can deepen relationships mm -hmm. and even be used for God's glory and the advancement sure. of the gospel mm -hmm. and his kingdom and good things. And um, along those lines, I think our world is globalized. It's certainly technologically advanced in a way that no other generation has quite seen before. Yeah. And I'd just be curious, um, your thoughts on the next generation from an angle of why do you believe young adult ministry is so vital and important? Well, that, that was pretty easy for me because to me, it's the place where transformation in ministry and even reaching the next generation happens. It's in those years of going through that young adulthood that systems that you've been a part of, et cetera, grow pretty weary to you. You get turned off by them. In fact, for example, right now, you know, people would say millennials by the droves are leaving church. And I tell them I that probably is hard for some. And I say to them, they're leaving church, but they're not walking away from God. They're going to develop new systems and formats that will reach others just like them for generations to come. And for me, the reason I find such hope in young adults is because uh, I'm past some of that probably creative thinking. I consider myself creative, but there are things, even when I hang out with young adults, because I do that, I play, play a lot of basketball with young adults. And I'll sometimes say to them, what are you guys thinking? What are you, what thoughts are in your, in your brain? And when they share them, I go, Oh my goodness, that's awesome. I would have never thought of that. And so I'm excited because I, I, the, the millennials walking away from church in droves, some millennials out there going, so how am I going to reach them? How, what's the mm -hmm. new process that I'm going to create that's going to get me there. And I think it's coming. I think we're going to see the, the millennial generation, uh, loving Jesus in droves. And to me, that's way more important than saying you're affiliated to come from a certain church. Uh, now, I, I believe that new types and styles of worship are coming. I believe that new formats for worship in church are coming. And I don't even know what that looks like, but I hope when I get 80 that I'm able to click on it and understand it and still follow it. And then my grandkids will be going, no, Papa, I need to help you with that. But that's OK. <laughs> if they're wanting to know more about Jesus in a new style and a new format, 
uh, bring it on, baby. And you who are watching right now, who are part of that production package that's putting it together, thumbs up. May the Holy Spirit lead you. I'm looking forward to what you create. That's so good. And Dan, we're looking to have a little bit of fun with you. We have about five minutes left. So we come to the part of our time with you where we have five in five, five questions in five minutes. Are you up for the five in five challenge? Oh, let's do it. I love what you said, by the way. Did you want to go back? No, I I love what you said. That was cool. I'm (laughs) encouraged. We should all be encouraged, right? All right. So question number one, what's something that you're into right now as a hobby outside of ministry that you enjoy? Oh, that one's really easy. So, so when my children were really small, if they did really good in class or in school, I would put a pack of basketball cards under their pillow at night. So when they go, when they right before, after we prayed, I'd say, don't forget to check under your pillow. So starting as little bitty kids, uh, they would open these pillows, always trying to get a Michael Jordan back in the day. And so, uh, we got into ball cards and now, um, man, ball cards are part of our family. My sons and I were just texting, 10 minutes before I went on this uh, podcast with you, we're always finding a new card that we share or trying to buy a card, trade a card. It's kept us incredibly close. Even as a family, we sometimes sit together and, and share things we're learning and growing. And it's been a great fun side hobby for us. And we have a ball with it. And I don't know if you must know much about sports cards, mm-hmm. but they've done okay in the last few years. Seriously. I think Gary V this entrepreneur in the, in the you in know, the, Gary V. Oh yeah. I think he, not personally, but I follow him yeah. and I think he's really one of the people who's like championing <laughs> totally. the, the back totally. to baseball cards. Totally. <laughs> and, well, uh, you know, I, my sons and I went to Chicago for a show not long ago and we watched the card sell for $2.1 million. It's a piece of cardboard. Are you kidding me? So I would just tell you, buy your two little kids a little card, put it under their pillow, and let's hope in 20 years it pays for college. Oh, Amen. That. Amen. I still got my collection. and I, I'm You do? Today well, to add, when add, we're I'm done gonna... with this podcast, me and you are talking. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. We'll, we'll honor the time. Question number two, along the lines of sports teams or sports cards, what's your favorite team um, in favorite sport favorite team and favorite card okay so uh favorite sports basketball always has been love basketball kind of kind of got me through a lot of my childhood I played a lot of sports uh wasn't allowed my father actually wouldn't allow me to play on organized teams believe that was sinful but I still played a lot in the driveway in the neighborhood but then uh sports team uh, I would tell you whoever Kevin Durant's about to get traded to. So I'm a Kevin oh. Durant fan, got a lot of his cards. And so I'm kind of bummed he's leaving Brooklyn. Well, I don't know for sure he is, but it looks like he might. And so wherever he goes next, that'll be my new favorite team. <laughs> Always was the Bulls because Michael Jordan's my favorite player of all time. So any card that I get that's a Jordan card, um, anything very collectible early of him, that would be my favorite card. Amazing. amazing. So here's a curveball. I know this is a basketball term or a baseball term, but here's a curveball. If you could ask Josiah and myself one question today, Dan, what would you ask us? Anything under the sun, ministry, not ministry, personal, whatever. Um, I would say this question. Um, what's it like to be you these days? Oh, man. Do you want to go first or second? Sure. I'll okay. go first. Okay, you take a stab at it because that's your I mean, answer. <laughs> what it's what it's like to be me is fired up. It life's a whirlwind right now. We mentioned our daughters are 
a breath of fresh air. They're a ton of fun and it's incredibly rewarding. There's challenging parts too. Um, there's sometimes a lot, it, it can feel like for me, there's many demands on my life or my time or my energy or my schedule. And so I think what it's like is it's a constant trying to put God first and then it's a, a constant like, okay, one step at a time, one day at a time, and just trying to be faithful mm -hmm. and trying to put God first, then my wife, then our daughters, then yeah. our family and our friends and ministry is like new launching too. So, yeah. but we have watched like since, um, I guess it'd be June 1st, which is not that long ago. Like we've watched every day how God's been providing and micro miracles, kind of that manna, that daily bread, like it's, it's a lot of fun to be us right now. Oh, That's man. awesome. To be me. Oh my gosh. I think we have, like Josiah said, a very demanding schedule on just different fronts. And sometimes I feel like God's holding one hand, marriage is the other, and each kid has a foot and they all pull at the same time. Yep. So I mean, it's trying to like rein in my the healthy version of myself. Like, am I yep. emotionally, spiritually, financially, That's relationally, good. like, am I fit to fight for God's kingdom? That's and good. how do I... Uh, advocate for what I need, what the children need. If I have 60,000 thoughts on average a day, now I'm thinking for two other people and what they need in a whole different stratosphere. So I think for me, it's just managing and maintaining and trusting God in the process of him developing my character in a season where at times I have felt torn of, sure. I know I'm called to ministry, I'm called to be a mom and a spouse, and how do I not feel guilty when I'm at work, when I'm thinking about our kids and when I'm with my kids, how do I not think about work? Cause both are so like, I know that we're called, right? And I just heard this the other day and this like brought ease to my spirit. And somebody had said, cause you hear the same, well, you can't have everything, right? Have you ever heard that? You can't have everything. Yeah, yeah. And somebody had said to me, literally Heidi, our friend just wow. on Saturday, she goes, you know what? Actually you can have everything, just not at the same time. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, as a mom, this is a sense of peace yeah, and release yeah. and whatever that was that I need that's to let good. go and kind of just, whoo, yeah. okay, Lord, like one step at a time. And I'm trusting if I'm faithful, you're faithful. Like yeah. you're always faithful, but I need to be faithful on my end. So I'm in a season of faithfulness and stewardship and just identifying the yeses and nos, time wasters, which is fun, but it's also like, Okay, nobody pull at the same time. I, oh my, <laughs> my appendages are in. Totally, totally. And, <laughs> I, and I would, you know, if I could say one thing to you there, it would be, you know, I look at you, I look at your age, I look at your kids. I know, I don't know everything, but I know a little bit of what life holds for you in terms of your business. And I just want to say it's the only life you've ever known. I got it. But if I go back 100 years, even 50 years, the pace of life that you two are raising your children in is off the charts compared to that generation. They mm -hmm. don't understand that. Okay. They won't understand that because they didn't, they didn't live that way. But I just want to say what you're doing there. You said balance and that mental, spiritual, physical, make sure you don't compare to others, how much they're pulling off. You, you mm -hmm. be you, you to be you let this podcast be your ministry, let whatever life has for you, make sure you live at the pace that functions properly and keeps you both healthy because I want you Amen. to keep doing this a long time. I received that. We definitely received that. I laughed and I don't know, maybe it was a more serious moment, but I was oh. just picturing Avalon and Aurora, they grab your legs all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was picturing you like, so, but 
I, it was so accurate. I was like, that's on. And we received Part of it. encouragement yeah. too. And Dan, back to you. What are your hopes? Maybe it's for your kids and grandkids or even more broadly to the next generations, plural, that are following. Like, what would you hope and dream for the future generations? Um, you know, the stuff I've been through in life uh, helped me cut through all of what I would call the fake anchors of even the Christian faith. I had a lot of fake anchors. They, they look good. They sound good. But that my children, my grandchildren, with whatever life brings them, would find their true anchor in the Lord. And, you know, that's the only thing that got me through. When I was in the bottom of the well, the only hope I had was what I could find in the Lord. And I don't say that as some little trite statement. 30 years ago, I might would have said, yeah, my anchor's in the Lord. But it wasn't. And I got tested. And I found out I'd put my anchors in a lot of other crap that wasn't the true anchor. And this, this, what I faced in life, some other things that we haven't even shared here today. I found my identity truly in the Lord. And I'm hoping and praying that my children and my grandchildren will see that in me, uh, that they can cut some of the corners Papa went through and, and be able to get to a place of finding their true identity in Jesus. That is so good. Well, Dan, here's a final fifth question that we have for you if you okay. could leave the listener with one thing if we hand you the microphone yeah. a young adult in the room young adult leaders pastors what word of encouragement would you have for them today just to make sure that your ministry your work your things you're accomplishing for the lord don't become the very thing that destroy your life um i believe that when we find our foundation in our identity in the Lord, just as I talked about, that it changes the course of what we do. And, and that starts with really defining your purpose. So if you walk away from this today and you listen and you go, I want to know why I'm on this earth and I want to be able to use the, the Lord's calling on my life for my ultimate purpose. And I'm not going to be distracted. You know, Satan is the king of distraction. He's the, mm -hmm. he's the king of shame. And all those things, somebody listening today, you're, you're a David and you're least in the family or you're least in the group. And if we lined up for the battle today, everybody go, oh, no, don't send them out. That You think that's you. That's who God picks. He picks the humble in spirit. He picks the weakest link. He picks the nobody and lets them make a difference for the kingdom. So I pray somebody watching today will will see that their life has great value and great purpose in the kingdom of God. And they'll find that purpose in the days ahead. That's so good. Praise God for that. We receive that, and I know it's going to encourage others as well. And, Dan, we just want to say a great big thank you for your time and investing in Mike and I, but into mm -hmm. this community of young adult ministry leaders. Bless you. Thank you for your kindness and allowing me to be with you. Of course, and we'll just say if you want to find out more about Dan Seaborn and his ministry mm -hmm. and his brand-new book, Winning at Home, We'll link those things in the show notes and you can connect with us online at youngadults.today and across social media as well. Until then, until next time, it's Josiah Micah with Dan Seaborn. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I'm getting judged up right now, yeah.